This is Greg Collins, Substitute Teachers Lounge. This week, we start a series called True Student Stories, and I'm going to kick it off with Alfred. Alfred, a student who was misbehaving badly all the time. We'll talk about how I handled it, and did I come to regret it? You know, it's kind of funny the way I first met Alfred. I'll call him Al from this point forward. I had substituted at this particular middle school several times. I had not yet had Al in class, but I knew what my what I had on my schedule coming up, that I was going to have classes in this particular grade soon. So one of the teachers that I was going to be substituting for ran into me, and she said, uh, you know, I probably should just let you know about Alfred. Now, you've heard me tell you that I'm not real crazy about knowing that much about a student. I kind of like to come in dry and make up my own opinion. So she told me about Alfred so the day, one of the days that I was not teaching Alfred's class, before I had ever taught his class, I noticed him in the hallway as he was coming in the school. The teacher pointed him out to me. Looked like a good kid. I don't, you know, whatever that means. I thought, well, he seems well behaved so far. You could kind of just see in his eyes, however, that maybe there was a little trouble by going on in his mind uh, or wanting to get into trouble, I should say. Now, perhaps I wouldn't have even noticed that had the teacher not told me that from the beginning. But still, I wanted to size him up on my own and determine why, in fact, Al was considered such a troublemaker. And then, of course, if that ended up being the case, I was going to have to decide how I wanted to handle that. Now, this was middle school. You know how middle school is, especially sixth grade. I mean, I always describe them as they're developing their personalities, developing their popularity. They're developing interactions with other students more so than ever. They're kind of making that transition. They've just moved out of elementary school. They're moving into middle school kind of a quasi pre-adult so to speak they're they're starting to slide you know just a year and a half and they're going to be teenagers so they've got all that going on in their mind you've got some kids that have their head you know so much screwed on that they don't let anything bother them you've got kids that let everything bother them and you've got some kids that are most of the kids probably are in between those two extremes. Some of them have been affected by things that had gone on, on in their lives. And Alfred was one of those. I had one of the teachers describe to me that he had had a traumatic event early in his life, traumatic family event, and he had had a traumatic family event fairly recently. So you know, it's one of those kind of things you want to be sympathetic to that. 
you don't want to be so sympathetic, however, that it you let him detract from the class as you're trying to conduct it. You just want to kind of be there to talk to that student if they choose to talk to you about anything. So that's what I was faced with. My first exposure, as I said to him, was when I wasn't teaching him in the class, just in the hallway. I will say after I taught him a couple of times, he would come up and give me a high five in the hallway. Now, of course, all of my friends who were going through this health concern now that that was before all of this of course but he gave me a high five in the hallway but he always went out of his way to smack my hand as hard as he possibly could it hurt I tried not to show it hurt but it hurt a little bit so that's the type of personality we're talking about here with Alfred but I still wanted to size him up and I was getting ready to have him for the first time in a class. So my first time in the class, I thought of when I met him for the first time that I could almost, now this is going to show my age, but for those of you that watch the Andy Griffith show and you remember, remember the episode about Ernest T. Bass going back to school. Well, he wanted to learn something. And I'd put Al in that category. I'll describe as I go along why, but I think he did want to learn. I think he did have some intelligence, and he had learned something in his previous years in school. He just wanted a lot of attention. If you remember, Ernest T. Bass kept doing things in the classroom to disrupt the class. By the way, if you're into Andy Griffith trivia, Ernest T. Bass, the guy that played that part, Howard Morris, was actually the director and producer on most episodes of the show. A lot of people don't know that, but I think that's funny. But I will tell you, he was kind of like that. Here, here's what he would do. Now, every teacher's class in which I taught him had him in the back of the classroom or if the teacher's desk was in the front of the classroom, might have him right next to the teacher. And it was needed. He would, you know, just when he went up to the front of the class to get a tissue and blow his nose, he made it as loud as he possibly could. He made it, he would wave his arms and flap like a bird to get back to his desk because he wanted the attention of the rest of the class. So that's who this student was. That was his personality. I would just tell him to go back and sit down when I had him in class, and he would. But he desired that, you know, that attention from the class, so much so that he was very disruptive. He would do it all the time. He would go to sharpen his pencil and sharpen it take it out, sharpen it, take it out, do it over and over until everybody was looking at him. And, you know, this was the point in time by now I had gotten to know most of these students and they would, some of them would come up to me and say they always enjoyed having me in the classroom. So it kind of put me in a situation where, all right, they know I'm not a yeller, but here I'm faced with a student that's constantly giving me problems. So how am I supposed to handle this? What can I do and still preserve my credibility? I don't want to be mean to him. Sometimes, though, do you just get fed up and yell out and make sure he knows you're serious? You know when you do that, that 
every student in that classroom is going to see it. Every student's going to think, well, if he does that to Al, he can do that to me. You just don't know what thoughts. I wanted to make sure that the kids knew that they could talk to me about everything, that they still enjoyed having me come to the classroom, but I still couldn't let Al run away with the classroom and get by with anything he wanted to do. I would even try at times, I told you all this before, that one of the things, now when I was a kid, I hated punishments for a whole class when I didn't do anything, but I made sure the classes knew that one of my ways to punish them is, was to make the whole class 10 minutes of silence if they get carried away, and then if any one person makes noise during those 10 minutes... I'm going to add five minutes to that. And I told them right up front, the reason I do that is because most of you would want to make sure that you don't cost the class another five minutes. Whereas if I just punish that one person, that one person may not correct it. Whereas if he knew that his punishment, what he did, was going to affect the whole class, then maybe there's a stronger chance that that would correct it. So that's what I would do a lot of times. I had to do that in the classes that Al was in several times. So we'll talk about that a little bit more here in a moment. Now, let's size up Alfred a little bit. I wanted to gauge him, and here's what happened. I had him... I guess just about in every subject eventually that you could have a student in in the sixth grade. I remember one time in math class, I had had two students. Now, he was, Alfred was talking during the whole time, but not enough that anybody was paying attention to him. So I had students go up to the board. I was going to do a little competition. I was going to yell out a problem. In fact, I was going to flash it on the screen, and then they were going to write how they solve it on the whiteboard. So two students went up there, and I flashed up the problem, and they struggled. Neither one of them came up with the answer. They tried again. They couldn't come up with the answer. And then finally, Al got fed up with sitting in his seat and watching them not get the answer that he just said, you know, he expressed his frustration in kind of a mean way, not a vulgar way, just kind of a mean way, and walks up to the front of the class and does the problem. So that's the kind of situation I'm now faced with. I know Alfred is smart. Yet there are some disciplinary issues there that I have to deal with. But he solved those problems. And let's face it, there are, I've always said this, and I've read articles that disagree with me, and that's okay. But in my experience, and maybe it's because math is my favorite subject, I think math more so than any subject, you're born with a little bit of it. You learn a lot of it but you're actually born with a little bit of that type of mind. I would call it, you know, if you want to talk about left brain and right brain again, a mathematical analytical brain is left brain. I'm very highly left brain, which also has a, you know, a disadvantage too, because I'm not creative at all. That's kind of comes from the right brain people. And then probably the majority of the people are actually, 
in the middle, so to speak, and they're a little bit more balanced in both of those regards. So I've always thought that math was one of the classes that you've got a lot of really, really smart students, you've got a lot of good students, and then you've got some students that will struggle with it. Well, that wasn't Alfred. The thing he struggled with was misbehaving in class. He knew how to do the problems. The only reason that he would get bad grades in the classroom is that he didn't apply himself and didn't try. So I've got all this rolled up into a package. I know he's smart. I know he has had traumatic events happen in his life. I know that he wants attention. I know that he's probably as disruptive as as any student I have. So I've got to put all those pieces together and try to deal with it and move on from there. I will tell you in certain situations where I would teach Al's class for several days in a row, and because of timing of events, I had to look at the attendance and grading scales and enter some grades. So as I was entering grades for the class, I noticed Al had some grades that he really needed to work on. But then occasionally... He would have a test where he would do outstanding, and then the next next test, he might score, score lower than 50%, probably an application thing. So how do I, again, how do I go about motivating Alfred to do better, especially when I'm going to see him several times in the same class, perhaps? Now, let's be honest, and I know you're like this, too. I can't think, you know, I've I've taught now, I've substitute taught for two school years, almost two school years, and I'm always looking, as I said, for ways to motivate the kids, and I can't think of any kids that I have ever given up on. Some kids just don't want to do things. I have never given up on them. I still want them to consider me the the substitute teacher that they can still feel comfortable with. I don't give them the a, a feeling that I can't believe you're not getting this. You're not trying hard enough. That's not right. That, that does nothing to motivate those children. If there was ever a student where I felt like doing that, maybe it was Al because, man, you're, you're so smart. Why wouldn't you try to do better and apply yourself? What do I need to do to, to do to motivate you? I know that I actually had taught Alfred a couple of times, several times, but twice it was actually on test day, and the first time he did great, and the second time he did terrible. And again, I think that was kind of a motivation thing. I would occasionally see when he would get frustrated, he would get in, not not fight fights, but just, you know, get in trouble for punching around with another student or doing things he shouldn't have with other students. Usually it was other students that themselves had a troublemaker type of personality. He usually wasn't a, he, in fact, he definitely wasn't a bully type. He would always just, he had his friends, but he'd get in trouble with his friends because they tended to get in trouble too. But I would occasionally see a frustrated look on his face. I'm one of those that I know I can't affect everybody's life, but I'm always going to try to. And 
I did that with Alfred. If there was ever a student that I could give up on or that I just finally decided I'm not going to have any effect on his life. I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to give him the minimum help possible. I'm a little bit disappointed in what he's accomplished so far. Now, I'm not ever going to feel that way about a student. I am always going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I was hoping eventually Alfred would turn around. I never did. I did raise my voice to Alfred on occasion, but not to the point that the students would say, oh, no, Mr. Collins has yelled at a student. We see him do that so rarely. Al must really be in trouble. So, That's where we were with Al. And, you know, I was, even though I was going to give him my attention, I was getting to the point to where, well, I don't think he's going to change. I've made up my mind that he's not going to change. I'll still give him the help, but I've got to get this disappointment out of my head because he's just not going to change. He's always going to be disappointing in a way. So, and of course I didn't fact think I had any effect on his life. And we, uh, I moved forward in that regard. I had probably, I guess maybe at this point I had taught Alfred in a class, maybe 10 times, uh, 10 days in some capacity. So I would see him interact with other students sometimes negatively, sometimes a little positively. And of course, I figured I had no effect on him. So I didn't say why try. I still wanted to try, but I really didn't think that anything would ever happen. Now, I'm guessing at this point in time, you're kind of wondering, all right, where's this movie going to go? This everything I have told you is true about Al. Uh, We're going to move forward a little bit. I noticed that one day, there was an assembly in the auditorium. I don't know. Of course, that's that's going to change in our future, too. But this day, there was an assembly in the auditorium. There was a special presenter that the school had had come in. It was some kind of... I can't remember if it was acrobatics or some kind of magic act or whatever it was. I do know there might have been, well, not might have been, there's a couple of animals involved, but I can't remember how he had them involved, or to be honest, even if he had them involved, but they were cute enough and hanging around with him enough that the kids got a big kick out of it, so... I walk in, I just come over and sit on the side. Basically, the substitute teachers, we just kind of sit off by ourselves and watch our class rather than talk to other teachers so that we can keep an eye on anything. Wasn't a day I was even teaching Al's class. Uh, I just sit kind of by myself, but close to my class that I was teaching so that I could keep track of what they were doing and make sure they were behaving. And it was a good show, so I didn't have to do a whole lot. Well, I'd only been there about 10 minutes. And all of a sudden, I see Al. Al had been sitting with some of the other students that tend to get in trouble from time to time. He turns his head around, and he saw me sitting up there by myself. And you know what? He came up and sat down right next to me. And I'm thinking, what in the world is this? What have I done to make him do that? Well, it turns out he just wanted to sit next to me. I don't know if I was giving him 
I had given him the feeling that he was he obviously was comfortable sitting next to me and he just wanted to enjoy the show. And, you know, right away, I'm thinking, man, here I was. I never gave up on him, but I was getting a little disappointed because I knew nothing was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, apparently I had at least made you know, not an impression, but made enough of a difference in his life that he felt comfortable in coming up to me and watching the show next to me. And, you know, as the show progressed, he giggled just like any other 12-year-old student that you may have had in the past. And I'm thinking, man, I'm disappointed in myself because I didn't think Al would ever come around in any way. And here, he at least enjoyed having me in class enough that he felt comfortable in coming up and sitting right next to me and watching the show with with me. And I I made small talk with him. I wasn't going to talk about classroom work because this was a fun hour. And we joked about the show. He could tell he was enjoying it. He was telling me how he had a dog like that at one time. So... It was really the kind of interaction that I enjoy with kids where I kind of see them outside of a classroom situation, and I was really touched when that happened. So it made me, in the future, I shouldn't have had any reluctance to do so, but it made me, in the future, kind of give some emphasis to Al, thinking that, well, if I meant enough to him that he would come up out of the blue and just sit next to me— Maybe I can try and mean enough to him that he can accomplish things in his classwork as well. So before we go on, let me mention to you that everything I have described about Al so far in this show happened in the school year of 2018 through 19 when he was in sixth grade. This last year, I also had him a few times. And I tell you what, whether he was making it up or not, that young man is a different young man. And I had at least meant enough to him and motivated him enough that he came up to me this past year in the hallway before I had even taught him at all this year. And he said, Mr. Collins, I got A's and B's so far in this you know, in this calendar year. And I'm thinking, man, I knew you, I knew you were intelligent. That's what I told him. I said, I knew you were intelligent and you're really not uh, surprising me that much. I knew you had it in you, but wasn't it nice that he was proud enough and that he knew I would be proud of him enough that he came up and shared that with me. And then lo and behold, a few weeks later, I was actually teaching his class I think it was a science class or it might have been some kind of reading material like a history class that had a lot to do with science. And not only did he get his work done quickly, he asked me, Mr. Collins, uh, do you want me to go out and help those that are struggling a little bit with this work? And man, you know, if, if I had... I could have cried right there in front of him, but man, what a difference that made. Whenever you're with a student and you don't know how you're affecting his life, you just never know. So I am not bold enough to sit here and tell you that had I not 
being one of his substitute teachers that this turnaround would never have happened. It probably would have still happened, but I was happy to be the one that he would now come up to and brag about his grades and essentially brag about getting done early in a class and asking if he could help others. So never get up on a student. This was a true student story about Alfred. I will give this disclaimer. All of these student stories that we'll do the next two weeks, obviously, I changed the name. And in some cases, I'm going to change the gender as well just to protect the confidentiality and their personal lives. See you next week. Music provided by Ben Sound.